When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ad Free Show's daily pro wrestling news podcast. Rumor and innuendo could not be more appropriately titled for our Ad Free Show's community and for everyone else. Hey, come on in. It's me, House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman, joined here as always by Robert Karpolis, uh, better known as WWE Creative underscore ISH. And before we get to anything, I do want to just Give a quick shout out at the top of the show. Listener of the show, David Perry, messaged in and said, it's weird that I'm currently in the hospital going through some complications of the flu. And the past couple of nights, I've fallen asleep to Robert Karpolis's melodic tone of his new podcast with Punk's bestie, Nick Hausman. David, we just want to start off at the top saying, hope you're feeling better. Uh, happy to lull you to sleep uh, or put you to sleep, as your friend CM Punk would say. Man, you know, it is. We are such, we are best friends. He loves it. He comes over. I crack my IPAs. I pack a bong. And he's just like, wow, my best friend, Nick Hausman. Pot smoking, beer drinking, BFF, right? You're a regular Sandman. Thank you. (laughs) I don't run from what I am. We're all having a great time here, everybody. And if you want to be a part of it, jump into the comment section, whether you're watching us on YouTube, whether you're watching us on Twitter, Whether you're watching us, wherever you're watching us, leave a comment. Let us know what you think about these stories as we're going along here today. We have the ability to bring your comments up onto the show, and and then you're a part of it. Um, Before we get to all the other news, uh, the rumor and innuendo uh, of what's going on in the business, let's start off on some positive notes here. A pair of parents were made here this week. Uh, Sammy Guevara, Tate Bello, birth of their daughter, Luna Alexa Bliss, Ryan Cabrera, birth of their daughter, Hendrix, born on the same day that Jimi Hendrix was born. Wild. Congratulations to both of the happy, happy couples. I assumed it was named after Taylor Hendrix, uh, no. since they're big wrestling fans, but I guess not. And Sammy, I, a former co-worker of mine in MLW, uh, mazel tov to all of the new parents. And congratulations on many, many sleepless nights over the next couple months. All right. Uh, well, uh, with that, we got a lot to get to here today. We're going to talk all about this MJF Devil storyline from last night, Collision Rampage of viewership, CM Punk being on his best behavior because we got to have something CM Punk to talk about here on the show today. God, I can't, I just can't wait for that one. Uh, Mercedes Monet teasing her in ring return. And of course, if we got time for it at the end, Billy Corgan, NWA, CW. We'll see if we can get to it here today. It's been the can has been kicked all week long on that particular story, Robert. It's unfortunate. I, I hope I'm looking forward to getting to it. I feel like there's a lot of meat on the bone there. But right. uh, you you steer the ship, man. You are the uh, you are the well, captain of this. I do have a captain's hat. I should throw on. All right. Well, let's get. Hey, well, I want to lead off what everybody on my timeline seems to be talking about this morning, and that is this angle that was shot on AEW Dynamite 
where MJF cutting a promo, praising Samoa Joe, lights out, mystery group of masked devil attackers attack him. Three of them hold him down. One of them's got a big old baseball bat. Samoa Joe runs to the save, powders him. They set up this tag match for next week with these kind of, it's always sunny in Philadelphia styled text graphics about how MJF and Joe are going to team up to take on these unknown tag team assailants. I just put up a piece some speculation I've seen about who people think are these attackers. First of all, everybody seems convinced the big guy's Wardlow. Are you, what do you think? You think it's Wardlow? I wasn't paying enough attention to the size of the guys while they were attacking to start doing that. I think there's, there's a lot that happened in a very short window of time in that promo. First, it was outright mentioning WWE's inability to book Samoa Joe properly. It was name dropping CM Punk and Cody during that promo. A lot of that fiery babyface MJF stuff. One of my big takeaways from it to give you some kudos. He's talking about this match December 30th against Samoa Joe. He is not at all mentioning uh, the bidding war of 2024. It is all about this is a company I have built brick by brick, and I'm going to fight my hardest to keep this title as opposed to I'm going to keep this title and we're going to see what happens come in the beginning of 2024, possibly because he's in full babyface mode, possibly because you, Nick Hausman, reported there is internal belief with folks in WWE that he has re-signed with AEW and the bidding war is no more. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And look, if his if it's got him refocused on what he's doing storyline wise and not focused on this kind of whatever thing that's not really going on, it all worked, right? Yeah, there was the CM Punk references last night referencing how Joe wasn't able to get to the next level in WWE. I thought it was like fine, like you're expecting Max to kind of play in those waters a little bit, but uh, this that's not what I think people were talking most. I think it's this like this devil angle, you know. Yeah. It is actually a storyline that he's involved in that could potentially have, I mean, looks like it's going to involve a lot of other people. And in a week where I think they really needed to show they could do that, they did that. And I, I got to give them credit where it's due. I thought this was done very, very well last night. I think there were good parts to it. There were some parts they could definitely work on a little bit. The use of the static, where some people immediately thought it was a cult of personality, I thought was an interesting moment. I saw some of that on my side. Like they hear that okay. static noise. We haven't used the static noise before, and now we're using it this week. That's definitely you know interesting. Some of the innuendo they're plugging in there. The amount of time that the screen went black for a company that has had a number of production gaffes over the last several months, not the best idea. I get you want to drop for a second or two. It kind of went on a little bit Sopranos-y. I thought maybe my DVR froze. It didn't record. I start fast-forwarding, and now we have this odd hybrid of the anonymous raw GM and aces and eights coming together into one singular storyline. Uh, Hey, look, it's got people talking. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I will say that. And and they needed something that involved a lot of people that they could shift their focus onto. That was, that was product oriented. Yes. It's going to get aces and eights comparisons. It's going to get NWO comparisons. Absolutely. Um, before we get into we got feedback coming in here real quick. I'll jump into that here in just a moment. I did want to point out another group of uh, possible culprits here. So in the last 24 hours, 
Jack Perry, Sammy Guevara, Britt Baker. They've all liked this tweet that a fan put out that read, uh, in response to MJF, who said he's trying to bring the feeling back to AEW, this fan wrote, you have almost single-handedly destroyed the feeling. Now, all of those people liked this tweet, right? And then Britt Baker had another tweet she put out uh, after Dynamite last night about how um, how much time, promo time, Max got on the show and other people got and how she's had zero promo time. So is this, is this like, are they playing into like, oh, there's, there's, oh, there's friction backstage at AEW. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's, let's play in those waters a little bit. Are we getting worked here with all of this? It feels that way to me a little bit. I really hope so. I think part I of the too. problem with AEW is you want to believe they've mapped all this out and they're pulling a bunch of different levers and they're trying to work the smart angle in the same way that you had Seth Rollins doing that at Survivor Series. But there have been a number of examples over the, the last several months or years where it was people going into business for themselves and trying to actively take shots at what's going on on TV. So I don't know. And I don't either. Maybe that's, that's what fun. I think so great. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I, I like know. that. And see, here's the thing about AEW. Nothing over there on social media. Uh, I mean, there is, yes, there's things that obviously you can point to. But th this is a group of people that when they want to send a message, a lot of people from the company send that message all at once, noticeably, right? And so for all of these people to kind of like this tweet, I mean, look, Jack's obviously like a devil, right? Because, you know, he, he ran CM Punk out of the company, you know, whatever you could say that. Sammy Guevara, arrogant, right? Lived in Jericho's shadow. I could see that. Animus with Max for, for being another young guy take his spot. And then Britt, right? She's obviously making her case out loud right now on social media. I, I think they're all very, they would all be very good candidates. Probably a nice little heel faction, I would dare say. Would be a nice little heel faction. You put Sammy together with Jack Perry, with Wardlow, with Britt Baker. And then, you know, the devil himself, who's most likely going to be MJF. You okay? So Elliot Harris here saying, "Got a feeling that Max is the devil, despite last night." So is this all some kind of elaborate ruse to 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 get over on Joe or something like that? What's the devil done to actively affect MJF? He they took out Jay White, they threw uh, you know Max Caster through that that glass window in that office, and now they're forcing. Joe and Max to have a match next week, which puts Joe in jeopardy going into this this match in December. It re and at no point during the physicality of Max did he actually get touched. He got put down on his knees. They're they're holding him back. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? They never touch him. So yeah. it really it feels like that's the ultimate payoff. The it's me, Austin. It's me all along with Max. It could be Brit. It could be Britt trying to force Adam Cole's hand in this situation. Oh. There's a lot of different options that are on the table. The text messaging being it's always sunny in Philadelphia was a little funny. <laughs> yes. uh, I guess that was to spare the Ole Anderson voice. But yeah. I, I like that. I will give the anonymous devil credit. He's booking a little better than Tony Khan. Books yeah. a tag match for next week. And Tony's just like, well, there's this supernatural creature that's invading my production truck, taking over my show and trying to kill my champion. Yeah, let's let him book matches. Yeah. Um, well, the other uh, big buzzy thing coming out of Dynamite last night was the interaction between uh, Jay Resso, Christian Cage, and Adam Copeland. 
Um, you know, you when you go, I can't. We could curse on this show, right? I could say what he said. There's nothing going to be stopped. I don't, I don't know what that. The, I don't know what the rules are. Well, let's put it this way: we can only say what they're allowed to say on TBS, a family-friendly <laughs> channel airing Christmas ads. Uh, right. But yeah, I guess we can do it. So Adams told Jay to go fuck himself, right? And that was not yes. bleep. Yes, that was not bleep. Well, I blame. Okay. I blame the devil who already took over the production truck, right. probably because the, the this five second delay happened after he dropped the f bomb. So it's right. clearly the devil is having a lot of fun. Maybe it's Mike Mansuri. Love I Mike Mansuri, great guy, friend of the show. Maybe he's the one pulling the pulling the strings here. I think Mustafa Ali, he was he was the hacker, right, down in NXT for a while. Maybe this is how maybe this is how they're bringing Ali in. Maybe this is how they're bringing a couple former WWE guys in, right? Is that a possibility here? Robert's just dead. I really hope that it, I really hope that it is. <laughs> Robert's what? just dead. I just said, what if, you know, if it's a bunch of WWE guys, this is how they're they're bringing him in. We got him, we got Ziggler, we got I don't know. I forget all oh, the whole list of top dollar could be part of it. Who knows? Yeah. I think the other way is much more likely. Jack yes. Perry. They, they could, they've all been, they've all been sent there by Kevin Dunn to take over AEW production. This is starting to feel, I a think WCW that's the most way. logical. Slu- We're bringing uh, back. Well done. I want to bring up Mike Malaro's tweet or comment here from YouTube. He says, let's all just hope that TK, Tony Khan, is not the devil, right? That'd be that'd be really something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be just breathtaking? So months ago on, on uh, my Wrestle Rose podcast, cheap plug for our ad-free shows, uh, Brethren There, uh, I had suggested that I thought that Tony Khan was going to wind up being the devil because in part, I don't see him being able to resist being on TV. And it would kind of make sense that the narrative out there is he's losing control of his company that you have max openly flaunting it's a bidding war in 2024 punk is gone the bucks are acting up everything's in chaos so now he's going to be the guy who's taking back control and acting as the devil and i think part of that is my selfish desire to want to see awkward shaky tony khan on television every week yeah, man, it's really something to think about. Yeah, if Max takes this this group of people and that's his little group to try to take back power, you got the Bucks out there, like we talked about yesterday, leaning into whatever public persona they think of himself. I mean, that look, realism always seems to you know take characters turn them up to ten. Maybe this is what we need right now—a landscape of these guys playing out, however they're really feeling about each other. It is, though. I will caution because you you mentioned WCW. I'll just leave it at this. AEW is kind of dangling on the precipice here. If they don't have a great payoff and a great follow-up to this devil story, I'm going to be pretty concerned for AEW going forward. Well, and Coach Keith Morrison asking a quick question, who or what would be a letdown on this devil angle? I mean, yeah, I think if it was Tony, people would get, they would be very upset. (laughs) Um, Who would, I mean, maybe I think if it was a bunch of WWE guys, just because I think, again, they look at, you know, all the names we just threw out there that you have in house that you could do this with, that might cause some backlash. Who do you think would be a bad payoff to this devil angle? I think there's two. I think Ric Flair bringing back the Black Scorpion would be a bad one. Or if it's Rikishi and he did it for The Rock. Oh, wow. Right. What's Kishi doing? Um, well, it was a, it was a bad night for AEW viewership on Saturday night, head to head with Survivor Series, a lot of focus on CM Punk. 
uh, possibly coming back, which he did. Um, Collision, let's see here. Collision did its all-time lowest viewership in its normal time slot, and Rampage did its all-time lowest viewership head-to-head with the Survivor Series pre-show. So it wasn't good news for those two shows on that particular night. Really, you know, a big chore going up against Survivor Series. What's your vibe on how, like, Collision, Rampage, like, what's your vibe on the shows and what's going on with them? There's nothing must-see about what goes on in Collision. Yeah. So much so that you, I watch Dynamite. I don't, I have Collision sitting on my DVR kind of slowly taunting me. I don't go Mm -hmm. back and watch Collision and don't feel like I've missed anything. And I think that's a real problem. If you have TV time, use it and make it must-see. Collision, now that Punk is gone, more so than ever, really just feels like Tony's stuck with another two hours of TV and nothing of consequence occurs there. Yeah, because they were going to try to build around Danielson for a while and make him the kind of draw, but he was all over Dynamite, him and his eye patch, you know, uh, doing commentary. Which was awesome. Brian Danielson on commentary made this tournament feel significantly more important than anything else has. The way that he's able to articulate the stories that are going on in the ring. Danielson is such a fantastic utility player for them. He may be their next QT Marshall. Wow. High praise. High praise. Um, well, uh, the other news coming out of Dynamite last night, they announced uh, AEW Revolution, which is going to be the home of Sting's retirement match. is going to take place Sunday, March 3rd at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. All the vibes, all the history. Rick will be there. Sting will be there. They hyped it up with Tony Schiavone. Are you excited, Robert? Are you on the hook here for Sting's final match? Maybe. Right. Um, I, I just I, I think the problem is they're telling this story and watching that promo. Number one, Rick, bless his heart, uh, talking about how when him and Sting wrestled before, we didn't even rehearse it beforehand. He, he kind of forgot where he was for a moment. That was kind of great. Yes. And I'm curious, you're, you're building this history, but you can't show any of the footage of the history. So you can't show the reason why Greensboro is so important. You have no access to the NWA and WCW footage. So everything is just being told to the audience rather than being shown through a video package. So you really have to hope people actively remember what happened in 1989. And there's no chance Ric Flair remembers what happened in 1989. Yeah, I, I don't know. Does Rick do, does Rick being along for this ride to Sting's final match, do you think it helps it, distracts from it? Because, like, I don't know. Happy, I, would, I was really enjoying just, like, wild and crazy Terry Funk-styled Sting. I was kind of like the direction. I don't know that I'd love that they just kind of sh- shoehorned Ric Flair into all this with Sting, personally. It's it's odd. It yeah. doesn't make a ton of sense. It doesn't add anything to the to the package. I think the idea of Sting having his last match, having Darby in his corner, sure, that makes sense. You also don't associate Sting and Ric Flair as being allies or friends. They were great opponents over the years. It's sort of like when Dusty inducted the Horseman. Yeah. It did, yeah, exactly. Wasn't it? Why did he do it? Um, when WWE, as I said, we were going to have some CM Punk news here today. Uh, Fightful put out this report about Punk backstage at uh, Raw on Monday night, saying he was in good spirits. He was on his best behavior backstage of the show. Uh, but there were those they spoke with that say they were told by higher ups that Punk has some kind of behavior clause in his contract. Now, first of all, before we get to the other stuff, again. Robert, we're talking about contracts and lawyer stuff. 
behavior clauses. Does that does that sound like a thing in a wrestler contract? Have you ever had to had a, heard of a wrestler with that kind of clause in their contract? Almost every wrestler's co- uh, contract, any performer's contract, is going to have some form of a morals clause. There's going to be. That's what I thought. There's, okay. Yeah, th- th- that's that's like saying breaking news. CM Punk's contract was signed by both parties. You yes. heard it here first. I'm rumoring innuendo, guys. <laughs> I don't know if it was a wet signature or a DocuSign, but it was signed by both parties. You can print that, Meltzer. Yes. Um, I, I don't get the vibe anything. But, you know, what? hey, I, I have been asking around. Haven't had anybody say they heard anything out of the uh, out of the uh, normal here. But, yeah, a behavior clause pretty common. I think everybody was. But he's still a free agent internally. Uh, his show closing segment did not have a, a producer attached to it. It did get short, cut short because Orton and Mysterio ran long. But when he was told you're going to have less time, he was fine with it. This is the kind of like quasi boring CM Punk stuff. I'm guessing is going to drip out here for a little while because I'm really not anticipating, you know, spin drift and muffins in this particular time. It's going to be a lot of he showed up. He was he played some dominoes and he left. I don't know. Yeah, he's going to be a model citizen. He's going to he's going to do everything he can. And there's no reason for him not to. Until something potentially occurs, we're going to get a lot of Punk showed up, he did what was asked to him, and we're fine. Yeah. Um, Also, I thought this story was kind of interesting. Over from Bloomberg, the Laborers District Council and Contractors Pension Fund of Ohio has filed a lawsuit against WWE leaders, including McMahon and Paul Triple H Levesque. That's Vince McMahon. Lawsuit is attempting to challenge the recent merger between WWE and UFC, claiming that McMahon put himself back in power and orchestrated the sales process to favor Endeavor, basically saying there were other suitors out there that you could have gotten a better deal with, but you would not have retained power. You took this deal with Endeavor that could that may be less than we could have gotten elsewhere because it meant you got to be put back in power, which he is. He's like above Dana White, the TKO structure. So the basic they've dealt with lawsuits in the past similar to this. This Bloomberg article says they'll likely settle it um, with investors if it does come to that. But what, what did this raise any eyebrows for you? Did you think anything when you saw this, Robert? Pension funds do this all the time. They're trying to maximize their dollar and they're trying to tell a story that probably isn't there. I don't think that they were privy to what the other offers were. And I highly doubt that this is going to really have any merit going forward. Vince, by the way, not in power really right now. So if this was his evil scheme to defraud the poor people of the Ohio Pension Fund, it didn't work. But they sold it to Endeavor. Ari Emanuel is an incredibly smart man. They they clearly made the right decision. They made the right financial decision. Everything has been successful for uh, Vince. Whether or not TKO overall is is super thrilled, that's a totally different story. But the ultimate outcome of this lawsuit, by the way, is not going to be we're going to unravel the the merger. This may well be, like you said, they're going to get some sort of a payout that they may have gotten an extra five to six cents a share. They're trying to challenge Vince's fiduciary responsibilities, and I don't see this going anywhere. So what happened here? So like when you look at the hierarchy of TKO, Vince is above... Uh, Hunter, Nick Khan, Dana White on paper, but in execution, it does look like he has lost all power. So can 
I mean, I guess you can do it, but this is all Ari Emanuel, right? Who's just allowing these people to do their job. It's just very odd to me that, again, Vince is listed higher up the food chain than you would think, you know, considering what he's being able to do right now. Vince was a necessary evil to get the deal done because the people of Wall Street are not as smart and sophisticated as we like to think that they are. When they hear WWE, they think Vince McMahon. When they hear UFC, they think Dana White. When they think Walt Disney, they think Bob Iger. And if you don't see that name next to the company name, a non-savvy investor is going to be concerned. And if there was going to be a merger, a sale, a takeover, whatever that was going to be, and it didn't involve Vince McMahon, that was going to scare the street. They were going to think that maybe Vince would challenge this. Maybe Vince would rise up and create another company. So he was a necessary evil. And I said all along, Ari Emanuel, incredibly smart guy, he will keep Vince around as long as he needs him, and then he will cut his head off. And in some of their internal filings, they admitted that they knew Vince McMahon was a liability, and they've tried to hedge against it. And Vince has been almost entirely neutralized since this has happened. Triple H is running creative, and the most substantial thing Vince McMahon has done since the merger is grow a mustache. No, that's not true. Dana White has credited him with getting the UFC deal done in Saudi. So we do know that Vince picked up the phone, talked to MBS, and said, hey, if you like to do a business with us, Dana, you could do the same thing with him now. It's totally cool. We're all besties here. And Dana White has said that Vince opened the doors for that. But I don't, beyond that, I don't really know what Vince has done. Yes, Vince vouched for the character of Dana White to the Saudi royal family. They have a very high bar of who they're willing to do business with, and they value the word and opinion of the mustachioed Vince McMahon. You know, when you frame it like that, Robert, it sounds so ridiculous, you know? Welcome to professional wrestling, Nick. (laughs) It's true. It is what it is. It's a beautiful Uh, business. Aaron Manzo here saying the mustache is more impressive than the Saudi deal, let's be honest. Hey, it's gotten a lot of comments, that mustache has. Declan McMahon having to weigh in on his grandfather's mustache. By the way, I love Declan McMahon teasing that he would like to see a match with him, his dad, Shane, and Vince. He wants a three generations of McMahon match. I'm in. God bless. Uh, I don't want to have to produce it, but yeah, that would be a (laughs) hell of a lot. Look, if there was ever a match to bring back the cinematic world, yeah, bring back the McMahons. Partially because I want to see who's going to tear a quad first. Ah, man, Vince would, you know, now he can be kind of like that Godfather role, right? He just appears in vignettes. You know, you got to go see him. I, they're Actually, they're probably not going to do anything with Vince. But anyway. Um, get him, couple a little, get him a little cat. Get him a little cat, right? He's got the cane. Sharks with lasers on their heads. That kind of deal. Um, we got a pair of updates here um, on two women, Jade Cargill and Mercedes Monet. Uh, Russell Pure saying that Jade is training with Roxanne Perez down at the Performance Center. And Mercedes Monet, she put up a teaser video yesterday showing she's back in the ring. She is training, teasing her free agency. I've seen people say, man, you know, with Punk going to, to WWE, Tony should really get Mercedes Monet, make that deal, show that he can secure another marquee name. I just, I think she goes back to WWE, you know? I, it feels like that's the vibe, is people are coming home right now. There's no reason for her not to go back to WWE because they've shown with damage control they're willing to support Bailey at the highest level, 
Io Sky has been represented extremely well. If Dakota Kai was able to wrestle, I think she'd look really, really strong. Kyrie Sane willing to come back to the WWE also speaks volumes that Triple H is in charge. He takes the women's division seriously, and he wants to put the best matches possible out there. There's no reason for Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks, whatever it is, uh, to go anywhere else. I don't think that outside of getting to scratch the itch of, of competing with New Japan, anything significant has happened since she's left WWE. They still have the relationship with Snoop Dogg, and all of her friends are there. So if these are the people you want to work with, and you still have a lot of fun matches that we have not seen, I think Sasha coming back against a strong heel, Rhea Ripley, is a hell of a lot of fun. I think her and Bianca having another match would be absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of great opportunities versus if she goes back to AEW, do we really want to see her take on Emi Sakura? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think she would get lost in the shuffle over at AEW. You know, they're they're doing a job, again, with this devil angle here right now, at least they're doing a good job of finding a way to get people talking about the people they have there right now. And let's just take a moment and breathe and make sure that that works, right? Mercedes Monet, I don't know. She obviously brings value, but I think we get lost there. Over in WWE, I also look at just, you know, again, Bailey's on the fringe, kind of, it would seem, with damage control. What's Charlotte Flair up to? What's Becky Lynch up to? They love the four horsemen, kind of, you know, referring to it, the legacy of it. You got a group of hot women right now in NXT, and I mean that in a way where it's like they are literally progressing at a very Thank hot, you. heated rate, you know. They're on fire as far as characters go. Uh, I look at Tiffany Stratton, Kiana James, Roxanne Perez. I mean, you got you've got women down there that I think, you know, you could create some natural friction with a little bit. And anyway, it's just one of many things that, again, you're right. There are things you could slow down and do with Mercedes, Sasha, whatever in WWE. I just don't know that you can in AEW. I want to touch on the other the other piece you talked about, which was Jade trading in NXT, trading at the Performance Center it really highlights that WWE is not looking to rush people forward. And it's one of the advantages of young talent being in WWE that you're getting a significant amount of reps before you're on television. One of the downsides to AEW is they're not touring. You're not running yeah. a lot of house shows. So you're allowed to do independent dates, but an independent show is up and down and who you're working with or who you're allowed to actually interact with. So the quality of your in-ring time in WWE is significantly higher. And I think they saw with Jade, which we saw on television, hell of a look, really needs that polish. Tiffany Stratton is someone that I could see WWE wanting to have rushed onto television six months ago. And yeah. she came out in an interview before and said, I want to stay back in NXT. I want to get better. There really is this belief of we want to put the time in. We want to hone our craft so that when we are on WWE TV, we can do the most to benefit ourselves. Yes, 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 yes. I, I agree with that. You know, and one of the things about the NXT model in general is they've done a really good job of making sure talent not only uh, can hang in the ring, but I think there's a lot of just kind of maturing they're focused on down at NXT right now. I think they want to make sure that the people they bring up from NXT are weathered, tested, and that they know are going to fit into what they've got going on the main roster. They're being very calculated about when and who they bring up. And I look at a guy like Braun Breaker, who, like you would think, man, wow, this guy could roll on the main roster. Maybe, you know, the, you know, again, they're just like, we want to we wait till the time is just 
right with this guy, and it's just not there yet, you know. But Braun Strowman been an active wrestler in in NXT for a couple of years, and he hadn't been wrestling before that, so it makes complete sense that you want to take that time, and you don't want to just put him on the roster and have him be another guy. We've seen lots of NXT call ups over the years where they're called up and it goes nowhere. What they've done with Pretty Deadly, what they've done with Grayson Waller, they're showing a commitment for the most part to the people they bring up from NXT and making them plug in and feel meaningful. We just saw it with the Creed Brothers this past week on that very, very, very long first hour of Raw. Yes. Yeah, man. Wow. That episode of Raw went on forever. Um, all right. We got a pair of back to get questions here about the women that will wrap the show up here. Uh, Ken Hanley asking, do you think the name dropping of the four horsewomen at Survivor Series is planting the seeds for damage control versus horsewomen at Mania should Sasha return? Um, could be. I'd be a great match. Michael Cole doesn't say things off the cuff. All due respect to Excalibur. Uh, Cole is not acknowledging people or events that are outside of WWE unless there's a specific reason for it. I absolutely think this was at least an overture to Sasha saying, hey, the the door is open if you want to talk. I mean, I could say Rumble, right? I mean, she's training right now. She's getting the ring rust off. She's feeling healthy. Rumble comes around. You have that moment where it's her and Bailey and Charlotte and uh, and Becky staring across the ring from damage control. Everything breaks down. And that's where you that's where you kick it off. That's where you get it going right there. I, it, it's not difficult. It's not hard to think. Put outside the box, that kind of deal. So I think it'd be great. All right. Last question here from Aaron Manso. Do you guys have any news on possible interest in Camille when her NWA contract is up in January? Well, we're actually going to end with some kind of NWA conversation here today. Robert, isn't that nice? Yes, I know we have two big NWA stories. Don't know if we have enough time to get to both of them, but let's uh, definitely ask about this Camille I, piece. I do I do kind of want to start talking about the CW piece at some point because it is interesting. Uh, but as far as Camille goes, you know, all I know about Camille leaving the NWA is that um, it doesn't sound like, from what I've gathered, there's any ill will on either side. I know her husband uh, is, is working there, and I, I think he will continue to work there. And... You know, it's it is a blow to NWA in the sense that there are so few talents that were really that people identify as the Billy Corgan era NWA talents, right? You had Nick Aldis, who really did become like a guy who was proud of that brand, and people were like, "All right, that's the NWA guy, Nick Aldis, NWA World Champion." Right? He left, and then they, you know, there were only so many people left. Camille was is their Nick Aldis in a way? She's the most identifiable female that nwa has under billy ever put out and so for her to leave you know it is a it is an it is a name for them that is lost and so i do i i think aew maybe impact possibly wwe impact seems more right to me though if i had to guess unless wwe needs another gm <laughs> sure sure no i hey if we're gonna do gms dixie carter for nxt all day I would love to see Dixie as the NXT GM. You are a sadist. I am. Um, well, that brings us to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, wherever you watch us here live on any of the social media platforms or on YouTube, tell a friend. And if you can't watch us live in video form, of course, find us on your podcast feeds. Go to whatever podcast platform you most prefer, rumor and innuendo, the amp for sand in the middle. 
Um, you could go in there. You can leave a five-star rating. You can leave a comment. We've been getting some coming in here. We're trying to read them on the air. Uh, support the show. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, Robert, anything that you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up today? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH and listen to my other podcast on the ad-free shows network, Wrestle Roasts. Yeah, catch uh, me house the wrestle. Oh, sorry. I thought you were done. No, no. Plug were away. you not done? Plug away, <laughs> dude. You go, Make uh, it happen. Go to housewrestling.com. I have a crazy story I'm dropping tomorrow morning we can talk about on the show. I'm very excited about it. I'll tell you after we're done here what it is. It has nothing to do with CM Punk. I don't want to get me excited. It's nothing like crazy. It's just I heard a crazy story. I was like, wow, let's get some details on that. So we'll have some fun tomorrow on the site and on the show. I like a cliffhanger for the Friday show. Uh, but <laughs> on behalf of the delightful Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.